Welcome to Sports Performance Radio, the science of athletic excellence. Welcome to Sports Performance Radio Extra. I am your host, B. Chavez, and as always, I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining me again this month. Uh, without you guys, I would literally be talking to myself, so I deeply appreciate all of the patronage. Uh, on to the show, on to the show. Uh, not an awful lot of new or exciting information. A um, little bit of aftermath and fallout from Rio 2016, uh, but nothing really groundbreaking. And quite honestly, um, it almost seems as if uh, there's less aftermath than there ought to be. Uh, could possibly, very possibly be related to the essentially political civil war taking place in the nation of Brazil. Uh, they have some pretty serious problems. I'm sure that all of you can read the news and follow that. But I think that's actually overshadowing the absolute douchebaggery that was the Olympic Games. However, in that note, uh, a news piece that came through literally just yesterday, uh, Poland's uh, competitive weightlifter Adrian Zielinski has failed the 2016 Rio drug test. Uh, and comedically, and I've covered this before, comedically, this guy failed for nandrolone metabolites. Uh, it's just baffling to me why or how somebody of that caliber could even remotely think they can use nandrolone and pass the test. Um, I say repeatedly, and I stick to it, that the drug test, uh, WADA's or anyone else's for that matter, is a joke. But um, there are certain things that they have a pretty good handle on, and one of them happens to be nandrolone. Uh, it's the single most detectable compound known to chemistry. Uh, why people would even remotely consider it is baffling to me. But apparently this guy did, and it didn't work out for him, so he's facing a four-year ban, and uh, based on his age, that's probably the end of his competitive career, at least on the international scene. In similar similar news, um, a week ago it came out that uh, two Chinese medalists from uh, London had failed. Uh, really bad with Chinese names, Chen Zhejia. It's with X's. I think that the X is a J sound, so it's Chen Zhejia and Kao Lai, uh, both competitive weightlifters, uh, failed both for the same thing, which also that's always a great indication that it's a state-run program when two athletes from the same nation fail for the same two compounds. Uh, kind of highlights the lack of individuality of the program. But anyway, uh, Sibitramine, which is a previously difficult to detect uh, amphetamine. Uh, it seems that the WADA is getting a handle on that one because you see more failures cropping up. Uh, I think people were using it pretty rapidly up until recently. I uh, don't know that for sure, but it, it, that's my deep suspicion. Uh, Sibitramine, and this one is the one that puzzles me, GHRP2. Uh, not, not that it puzzles me that people would use it. What puzzles me is WADA is apparently breaking their own rules. They are supposed to disclose uh, the methodology in which they test for something. And I've checked their website and even made an inquiry to a WADA official personally, as to how they are detecting these GHRP compounds, GHRP2 and 6. 
Uh, I've seen a number of failures for ipamerillin, which I understand. It's a, a related compound, but is considerably different. The molecules are modified in such a way that they have essentially a long-term signature. Without going into deep chemistry, I can grasp how they are finding it or metabolites of it. Uh, these GHRP compounds, they are proteins, relatively short proteins. They're like insulin or growth hormone, and therefore they have a ridiculously short active life in, in physiology. I almost said the human body, but in any body, in any mammalian creature, they're going to be metabolized very, very quickly. And they're just not giving me any information for how they're detecting this. And in this case, this is a test, a retest, sample B retest from 2008. So they're somehow leading me to believe that they're detecting a highly degradable, highly unstable uh, peptide protein eight years old. Uh, wow, that's a that's a real stretch. WADA is going to have to come forward to give me some information before I even remotely believe this. But nonetheless, they've they posted this failure. It'll probably be litigated and on and on. But nonetheless, it's interesting. And by the way, listeners, if anyone out there has information, I do have some high-end listeners that are actually you know WADA compliant. If any of you have any information on how that is, please contact me. I'd really like to know. Uh, WADA themselves hasn't given me squat, which is pretty normal considering my relationship with them and my opinion of them. But uh, yeah, I'm yet to find out how they're detecting the GHRP cascade. They're not. They're just not giving me any information. So uh, when I see it as a failure, I, I just disregard it. I just don't care. So, so there you have that. But uh, also in the news, we have uh, one that I find funny for a number of reasons, uh, mainly because of the, just the name. But a news headline from yesterday, WADA confirms that U.S. Athlete database was hacked in parentheses by Russians, and uh, the group taking responsibility for it literally they call themselves Fancy Bear. Don't know what that means. I'm sure to Russians that must have some significance other than kind of the the gay pride significance it would have in the Western world. So I'm I'm guessing uh, they're not actually Fancy Bears. I think that that's. Something related to the Russian culture. But anyway, a group of hackers calling themselves Fancy Bear has hacked WADA and released some information. Uh, interesting, but not surprising. It really just highlights the hypocrisy and douchebaggery of WADA. Apparently, a number of high-profile, high pay, high fund, high monetary value U.S. athletes, and, and others, but specifically the U.S. athletes are the ones that were highlighted, have skirted, if you will, the drug test by having uh, medical dispensation for compounds that are otherwise banned. Uh, we know this goes on. We've known it's going on for a long time. A lot of litigation has taken place, different athletes claiming or insisting or stating that they have reasons to take compounds and medical issues. And uh, it, it's normally, it's pretty much nonsense. But anyway, uh, the big name really is the uh, Simone Biles, the uh, you know, won five medals at the Olympics and apparently has a lifelong issue with ADD. I don't know how you could train at the level of a, an Olympic caliber athlete and have any time or energy for ADD at the end of the day, but apparently has a lifelong issue with ADD and has uh, taken drugs appropriate to it, which are clearly defined as banned by the WADA. Uh, also, um, 
Eladeladone, and then entertainingly, uh, Serena and Venus Williams, who, I mean, just a quick cursory glance at them, obviously, they're doping, they're using drugs, and uh, and why shouldn't they? I don't fucking care, but, uh, you know, apparently some people out there care, and uh, WADA has, uh, and the list of things that the Venus and uh, Serena were taking was odd. Uh, I, I didn't record it, but I remember reading it, my eyebrow going up. Uh, it looked like it was mostly uh, related injury, like maybe anti-inflammatories and stuff like that, which also can have performance-enhancing benefits, but it was more likely it was therapeutic in nature, although it's very common that once you find one kind of variety of drugs, probably there's a fleet of others behind it that are just yet to be detected, or in this case, with WADA and their dishonesty, probably just not concerned about that. WADA just doesn't care. These athletes are very high profile, very well funded, and in everyone's best interest to just allow them to do their thing. So that's uh, kind of all the news I've got, All unfortunately all drug-related. I hate that. I like to think that there's more to the world of athletics than just drugs and uh, crooked organizers and... Uh, what have you, but during the Olympic period, you know, right circa proximal to the Olympics, there really isn't. That's all the news you get is uh, just who's cheating and how and uh, how much money are the schmucks in charge making and stealing from the athletes. It's really all you got this time of year. So hopefully in another few months, we'll have something on a much lighter and better note to talk about. But for the moment, that's that. I'm going to wrap up this relatively short show with a pre-recorded piece on periodization, continuation of common language and periodization. Uh, and a real quick little backstory, the reason that you're getting this piece is because I just very recently penned a syllabus for a talk to some junior high and high school athletes on uh, American football, on weight training and strength training for American football and uh, much to everyone's surprise, I really focused less on the actual weight training and more on the um, phasic structure, designing, or as, the, as it turns out, periodizing yearly and even um, multi-year training because we're dealing with very young athletes. They're probably programming their training or should be programming their training out through maybe the graduation of high school, you know, and then so I spent some time researching periodization, re-researching periodization, and I even re-listened to my previous works on periodization. I was fairly happy with it, and uh, I used it, made some notes, made some minor changes, and I thought, you know, that's a good enough piece that maybe I'll just put that on the air. Uh, I'm happy enough with it, comfortable enough with it that uh, I think it could get re rehashed and reused. So, for those reasons, and maybe even as you listen to it, have those reasons in mind, um, here's a piece on periodization or phasic structure of training and long-term strategy. So I leave you with a few commercials and then a pre-recorded piece on periodization. This is the last you'll hear from me this month. Uh, do look for the coming month. On the first of the coming month, we'll have a new sports performance radio with a new guest and all science. Until then, stay strong, folks. Evil Genius Sports Performance is now accepting a limited number of new clients. If you would like to consult, please email via the Team Evil GSP website. Hey, shut up and listen. Hi, everyone. It's Bishvez from Evil Genius Sports Performance. I'd like to welcome you back to the next edition of the Evil Genius Sports Performance video blog. Uh, I believe this is volume six. And we're going to continue and possibly wrap up, or at least wrap up for the short term, our conversation on common language, 
on defining terms so that all future conversations we can refer back and know specifically what is meant by what is said. Um, big believer in science and the scientific method, and one of the key issues in science is that everyone can agree on terms. Uh, don't necessarily have to agree on how to apply them or, or the, the nuances, but you definitely need to agree on the subject matter. And so this discussion on common language and today's topic is um, really the, the, the fundamentals of all of it, the bedrock, and that is periodization. Uh, very polarizing word, very people, absolutely I do that, and other people, absolutely I don't do that, and that's archaic, that's from the 70s, and there's people that, you know, it's very cutting edge. And um, The reality is, it, it's just a word. It's very, very mundane, very, uh, you know, non-confrontational. Um, periodization is a Latinized word for breaking things into periods. Um, this is something that you know we we glean from Eastern European training methods, the the Russians. Um, periodization is something that they used in an organized fashion first. But the reality is it it's it's like breathing. It's always been there for everyone. Not everyone's embraced it, not everyone's taken it and exploited it to its full potential. But periodization is simply breaking your training scheme into periods. And then the connotation is accomplishing a specific goal within each period. Um, periodization is funny. It comes with a couple of, uh, well, actually a lot of secondary terms. Um, the three that are relevant and, and kind of universal we'll, we'll cover. So you have periodization, which is this breaking down something big into something small. Uh, with that comes the words macro cycle, which is really the big picture. That's your year, or your competitive cycle, or your training year, or um, your scholastic career, or some big chunk of time that you can define. And then within that, you have mesocycles. Um, meso, Latin for middle. So it's smaller than the big one, but not the smallest. And then microcycles, which are cycles within the mesocycle, which is a cycle within the macrocycle. Uh, you'll hear a lot of other terms. There's a lot of other words out there applied in, in periodization. You'll hear uh, transitional cycle, transmutative cycle, all these different things. Um, they're real words. They're not very universal, and they're usually pretty easy to figure out what they mean. You know, a transmutative cycle is a cycle that transitions from this one to that one. So if you have this block and this block and the bit in between, instead of having a sharp gradient, you have a transmutative cycle. The keys here are to embrace the concept and apply and run with the concept of periodization. And a lot of people, especially lately, will tell me, oh, I, I don't do that. Uh, I use the cube, or I use um, west side, or I, I do conjugate training, or I do this kind of training. The reality is there's not a person on this earth that wakes up every morning that isn't involved in periodization. It's something that's been ingrained in you since birth to break your day into chronological units. Uh, we have a 24-hour day. We have 60-minute min or 60 minute hour. We have when you went to school, you had first period, second period, third period. That's periodization. The macro cycle was your school day. And then the mesocycle was the periods. 
or perhaps the before and after lunch as two mesocycles. And then within that, the microcycles were first period, second period, third period, fourth period. So it, even if you're beyond school and you go to work, you get up at a certain time, you go to work at a certain time, you go to the gym at a certain time. Your day is periodized. Okay. Yes, these are not training concepts, but the reality is your day and your life and your the very existence of the Western world is predicated on chronological pieces. Hence, periodization. To apply it to our subject matter, to training, it's pretty simple. It's simply, you take a competitive year um, or a competitive period and you break it down in and then identify the necessary things to accomplish. During this period, I'm going to improve, raise my body, my lean mass. I'm going to lose body fat and gain lean mass. Bodybuilding. Okay, and I'm going to accomplish that. I want to gain five kilograms, lose two kilograms of fat, and then from this period to this period, I'm going to apply that body weight to generating maximum strength. I'm going to get as strong as I can during that period. And then at the end of that period, it might be time to prepare for your event, whether that's a, a bodybuilding contest or a powerlifting contest or uh, a, a competitive football season. So it's this idea of take a period of time and accomplish a specific goal within a specific unit of time, rather than trying to accomplish everything all the time. Um, very lately, it's been, it's been cool to compress periodization into these very, very small units, where one day a week you're training for speed, and one day a week you're training for strength, and one day a week you're training for size, and one day a week you're training to get lean. and um, That's really, really pushing your luck. I won't say that it's not possible, but the body's all human body and every biological system known are not good at doing many things at once. Biological systems are very good at accomplishing a given task at a given time, which is the magic of periodization. For this six, eight, 10 week period, you do nothing but get strong. During this six, eight, 10 period, you do nothing but get lean, okay? While trying to minimize the damage you did to the previous cycle. Um, also, um, people tell me, oh, I, I don't periodize. And then two minutes later into the conversation, they say, well, uh, right now I'm just I'm trying to raise my bench press. Well, if you have a specific goal, and God forbid you have a specific time frame you want to do that, you just periodized your training. Okay? Every single person on December 31st that says, my New Year's resolution is to lose 10 pounds, you just periodized. You set out a period of one year and a goal of a loss of body weight of 10 pounds. Okay. Again, not very specific to your competitive training, you the listener to Evil Genius Sports Performance, but it's the reality of how ubiquitous and pervasive the idea of periodization is. Everyone uses it all the time. And even if you do one of these other training models, you know, if you use Westside or Conjugate or, or Cube, you still periodize. If you have a competitive career, if you say, I'm going to compete in this event on this day, in some fashion, you just periodize your training. All I say, all Evil Genius Sports Performance says, all Western science says, and all of the Soviet research that this is predicated on says, take that concept and run with it to the fullest. Okay? Once you've defined that a certain thing needs to happen at a certain time, you can now work backward and put in the necessary steps. I should accomplish, if, if my goal is to squat a thousand pounds on this day, 
then I really should squat at 900 pounds by this day, and 800 pounds by this day, and I should weigh this on this day, and I should weigh that on that day. And you can begin to just fill in your calendar with relevant goals to accomplishing your main goal. You're periodizing. You could say, well, I, I need to weigh this, so I need to be eating this many calories and perhaps taking this many milligrams and training this many hours per week. And the next thing you know, your calendar fills in so completely and smoothly that your training program writes itself simply by periodizing your goals, identifying targets within the goals, and then filling in the, the middle bits. An awful lot of high-level sports management and athletic management is simply organization. Write it down. What do you need to do? And then look at the obvious steps of how to get from where you are to where you're going. Periodization. Breaking your training down into periods. Very simple. Very key. You need to embrace it. Think about it. Start to write these things down. The next thing you know, you don't need me. You don't need an awful lot of the books, magazines, and websites out there because once you've clearly identified what you want to do and a few of the things you need to do to accomplish that, all the bits in the middle become self-evident. So periodization, probably your biggest friend in all the world of training. Regardless of your training method, training model, planning, thinking, Organized timeline, the fundamentals of periodization, macrocycle, mesocycle, microcycles, perhaps transitional cycles in the middle. Write it down, think about it, share your thoughts. That's the power of science. B. Chavez, Evil Genius Sports Performance. Till next time, stay strong. Don't forget to sign up for the SPR and Evil Genius Sports Performance Newsletter via the Team Evil GSP website. Thank you for listening to Sports Performance Radio.